You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with, I think, our first person ever from Ireland on our podcast, which is going to be awesome. Wait till you hear the accent. Uh, but this is, we're with Ryan. Is it is it Marjolin? Mar- How do we say your last name? Margolin. Margolin. Okay, Ryan Margolin from Pro Hair Labs. And let's talk a little bit about hair. You know, everybody's got it. Some have a ton of it. Others, not so much. Over a lifetime, you know, we wash it, dry it, style it, cut it, let it grow or not. And every one of us loses some of it, you know, every single day. And for some of us, we lose it a lot faster when it grows back. Scott told me, you know, I should join promo seven years ago and now I'm losing my hair. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking it's because I joined promo, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but hair loss can be scary, traumatic, depressing for a lot of people. The good news is there's lots of solutions for thinning hair, for hair loss. And you've probably seen, you know, maybe a few ads in your social media, you know, feed maybe this morning, especially if you're a guy in his, you know, mid thirties to forties. Uh, but our guest on today's Brand Builders podcast is a, a person who has a solution uh, for that and really is a solutions business for folks uh, with hair uh, loss. And Ryan is here from Pro Hair Labs. Thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, I believe you're in Ireland right now. Is that correct? That's correct. Lo- I absolutely love it. So Ryan, thank you so much uh, for joining us on this episode of the award-winning Brand Builders podcast. Absolutely. And thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to having a chat. Yes, Ryan, man, thank you. We we pre, we know you're a busy man. We appreciate you taking a few minutes with us. Um, so tell us how how did you get interested in hair loss in the first place? And and I'm assuming there might be a personal story here. And I can't wait to learn more because I have a challenge with hair loss. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get, we can get into it. So I grew up in the industry. My mother was a master hair technician. My father was a business owner. He owned multiple businesses uh, throughout his life. And when they were married, they opened their own studio and it was for non-surgical hair replacement. So basically, you know, it was the type of hair replacement where individuals would wear hair systems instead of getting, you know, uh, going down the surgical route. So I grew up in that uh, kind of sphere and I saw the good and the bad that came along with it. And um, I didn't really understand the true implications about, you know, what my parents did up until the point where I was old enough to kind of understand the concept. Uh, So I spent a lot of time in their studios growing up, Um, you know, saw a a lot of men, a lot of women that came in and out of the doors over the years. Uh, But after a period of time, my mother got chemical poisoning from the products that she was using. Um, Back in those days, the industry wasn't regulated. It was deemed too small. So the FDA wouldn't get involved. So manufacturers were literally getting away with murder, putting chemical based uh, ingredients into their products and selling them for use on skin. So naturally, that's changed. Um you know, in this day and age, there are still some products on the market that would still, you know, behave like that and and be manufactured in those ways, but they're few and far between. Um, So after my mother got chemical poisoning, forced her into early retirement, my dad sold the business, he focused his efforts onto creating a product line that was safe for technicians and for individuals who wore hair systems. And that's kind of where the foundations of professional hair labs started. It was 1994. I joined the company in 2009. Um, you know, look, it was the economic crash. Uh, I was working in sales, looking for some new opportunities. My dad wasn't happy with the way his business was going. Uh, so he gave me a call and he was like, look, do you want to, you want to move over to Florida for a little while and see what's going on? See, is there any opportunities? Uh, I said, no, at first I, it was myself and my wife and we had one daughter at the time. 
Um, and I was like, no, you know, I think I'll stay put. But in, you know, in hindsight and reflection, um, we decided, look, let's give, a sh give it a shot. We go to Florida for, you know, a little bit of time, see how it goes. And that's what we did. So um, we spent a year and a half there. And in that year and a half, we were fortunately able to triple the revenue of the business, um, take some of that money, reinvest it into opening an EU location here in Ireland uh, for global uh, supply and distribution. And that's kind of where the journey of the, the growth of the company really started because it was quite stagnant from about 94 up until 2009. So that's the bird's eye view. Where did you live in Florida? Uh, I grew up in Tampa uh, and then, you know, I spent some time in Wesley Chapel just outside of Tampa and our actual uh, Florida location is in Zephyr Hills, just a little bit further outside of Wesley Chapel. So tell us a little bit about, you know, obviously you've had a history of, of, of really kind of growing up in it, right? And it's incredible to hear that you could triple revenue in such a small period of time. Now you obviously have grown this business to be a global brand. You've done an amazing job through social media, an amazing job of connecting with people throughout. Um, how has that journey been? And really, how have you attributed not only the growth of social media to your success, but the growth of being on podcast and marketing yourself and, 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 you know, just getting your name out there. I mean, most of the time now we laugh because we're in the brand and merch world and people will bring up a company like Under Armour and they think there's some big manufacturer of products. They're not, they're a marketing company, right? They're a marketing company. That's where their money goes. It's why their clothes are expensive. And then they're just jumping around from every different country and getting different threads and different materials. But the reality is they're a marketing company and that's their brand. And I feel like you guys have done a really good job with that as well. Tell us a little bit about what that growth looked like uh, and how you guys incorporated those tools to continue to have the success you have today. Yeah, so I, I think the best place to start with that would be to say that, you know, look, I think we as humans overcomplicate things. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in that the simple solutions create the biggest impact. And I've learned that kind of in the latter part of, you know, my own personal development. But where it kind of started for us was that we decided to do things a little bit differently. Um, you know, it was 2009, 2010, digital marketing was becoming, you know, kind of the wave of, you know, what's up and coming. Um, and look, marketing and sales was always my, uh, my, my place. I always sat within that in my jobs in some way, shape or form. And I wanted to kind of further my own development in the marketing space. Um, but we kind of did what we knew how to do best. So we looked at operations, sales, and marketing. We stripped everything back, uh, the branding, the messaging, and we, you know, even the products, we, we stripped back the branding on those and we rebuilt uh, a full new brand, a full new look for the company and a full new kind of approach in how we wanted people to view us. We no longer wanted to be viewed as the small mom and pop company, um, but we didn't want to be viewed as a corporate company either. So we sat somewhere really nicely in the middle with personality because we knew our customers always had direct contact to us and we knew them all personally. So we started by doing that. And then in alignment with that, I manually built uh, an Excel database of uh, 5,000 hair replacement studios in the United States. And I started to get a good, because I did that myself, I started to get a really good understanding of the different, you know, states and cities, uh, you know, in the United States and where the clusters were, where it was a little bit more isolated. And we did just a straight direct mail campaign, simple postcard front and back, front being the new product, the features and the back being two testimonials from industry leaders. And we sent them out in batches of about 1500 because there was only three of us at the time. We couldn't handle a huge amount of calls incoming. So we sent them out in batches and then calls started coming in to order one bottle to try it. One bottle turned into five, 10, 15, 20, 25. 
wholesale distribution and so on. So within the 18 months, then we tripled revenue. And uh, that's kind of where I, I learned the most about uh, sales and marketing, really, because I realized that we didn't need to spend all this money on advertising. Like we, we were actually, we were, we were an eight figure company before we spent a dime on, uh, on online advertising. It was all done through a decision to focus on SEO first, because we knew our competitors were not doing that. So we played the long game. Now our SEO game has been, you know, slightly cannibalized by competitors who are now heavily investing in that, but we've switched our model a little bit to online marketing. So we started to, you know, invest uh, some of our uh, budget into that. And that's proving to be very good for the direct to consumer uh, business that we do. Because naturally, because we've experienced counterfeits with our brand, because it's become so successful, we've had to offer a direct to consumer offering for people who are unsure as to if they were buying a legitimate product somewhere. So there's, there's a whole slew of different learning curves in between that. But um, throughout the journey that we've had over the last decade, you know, I've realized that the really uh, core lessons out of all of this and the challenges we faced have really come, you know, have simply come down to, um, are you the person that you need to be to run the company? And usually you find when you hit a problem and you you can't solve it, it's because you're just not there yet. And you have to really figure that out, whether it's through mentorship or whether it's through just deep diving and get a bit of research done, or just simply taking a shot in the dark and trying something. And if it fails, you reassess and go at it again. That's really great advice, man. Thank you for sharing that. And what a, what a great success story. Congratulations. I appreciate that. Look, and I mean to say, look, there's a great team here. You know, I've got myself and my two brothers, um, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're fully committed to making sure that the the principles and methodologies in which the company was started is held as we grow. Um, and look, that's led us into, you know, a deeper part of the cosmetic space. We manufacture all types of cosmetics now. Uh, and we still try to just retain that same safety and performance methodology that we've always had, which people have come to know us for. And that leads me to my next question. What kind of solutions does hair or uh, pro hair labs provide? So we started again, going back to earlier uh, in the conversation, we started as a non-surgical hair replacement company. So we manufactured shampoos, conditioners, scalp treatments, adhesives for the scalp specifically, targeted at individuals who wore hair systems or wigs. Uh, now it's a little bit different. We are we are a full-blown cosmetic manufacturer. We have our own brand. We do private label. We do custom formulas. And right below where I'm standing here is our lab and our manufacturing space. So uh, it's completely shifted the, I suppose, the mission of the company in terms of what, you know, what we want to achieve on a global scale, rather than just what we want to achieve in a specific country or location. So uh, that that's kind of where we're at at the moment. So you guys do a lot of private label. Um, I'm just going to ask, can you name any of those brands? Uh, no, I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I gotta ask. I gotta yeah. ask. Yeah. So what I will, what I will say though, is that if you think, you know, what I can say is that if you look some of the biggest, you know, um, hair replacement providers in, in the United States and globally, um, either at some point we did, or we currently do manufacture for them. Um, you know, plus there's a ton, a ton of e-commerce brands that, that we actually make products for and look, uh, word of mouth is very important, and uh, we we get a lot of business from word of mouth on the custom formula and and kind of private label side. See, the beauty about private label is that one of our USPs has always been we're able to take the business that the big manufacturers are not. 
They don't have to come in and order 10,000 units. If we, we have a huge catalog and they can pick a product from there where the base formulas are tried and tested, if they need small adjustments, it can be done relatively quick. We can get an order to them with like 100 bottles. So it makes starting a brand very, uh, you know, uh, viable for, for, for people because look, when you're dealing with cosmetics and you, you're trying to get a brand off the ground, it can be very expensive depending on the type of product you, you launch to market. So uh, we're able to kind of slip in and pick, that, pick up that business where most can't. Tell me a little bit about the process. Is is it startups that are reaching out to you? Is it established companies? Um, if there was somebody that was interested, where do they need to be in the business? Uh, I guess, you know, the age of their business per se to team up with you, or could it be somebody that's like, Hey, you know, I, I, maybe they were a hairdresser. Maybe they had some great idea and they wanted to reach out to you and say, Hey, I think our, you know, salons could private label this because you have the, you have great materials. It's safe for you. All those different things. Where do they need to be in that process? And what does that ideal client look for you? Uh, it, they could be anywhere in the process. And this is the beauty about what we do. Um, they could have just an idea and we give them our catalog and it actually brings those ideas to life. And they're like, oh, uh, I like this type of product, but I'd love it to have this feature, this function. So we can make it happen relatively quickly. We have our baseline pricing. And if you add ingredients, you know, it adds on X amount per kilo. And then, you know, however many bottles are in per kilo, it's very easy for us to work out the cost. So somebody just starting, that's perfect. If you have somebody established, which we do, uh, we have plenty of companies that are already established and want to quickly add like say seven or eight products to their line. That makes it really simple for us to do. We carry a huge stock of different bottles and then we can give them different offerings. If they want something custom, it takes about 60 days. We can order it in. It has to be manufactured and shipped to us. Uh, MQOs become a uh, become a, um, a a thing at that point. You know, it could be it could be two thousand, it could be ten thousand. We don't know. Uh, and then you have other companies who are really well established in 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 their industries, and they're just looking for a really high performing product. Um, you know, that can retail on shelves for say eighty to a hundred dollars a bottle. Um, you know, like for example, uh, you know, we're we're working on a, we're in the final testing phases of an anti aging serum with bee venom, which basically gives the Botox effect without getting Botox. Uh, a gram of wow i'll take 10 of those for my wife <laughs> i'll take how do i buy the whole case you've been seeing those botox yeah. bills huh come on <laughs> where's that bottle at <laughs> well if, if you if you look at a kilo of bee venom you're probably going to pay about sixty thousand dollars for it you know? so that's how expensive this type of product is and you know there there's there's companies out there who like that niche type of stuff and we have the ability to do it so they're really at every point, you know, and, and we can cater for it all. And uh, because we have lab technicians who are fully focused on solely product development and we have uh, we have compliance then and then we have uh, uh, marketing, it makes the process quite seamless. Now, there are times where, you know, resources get stretched, but look, those are, you know, yourself, those are just things that you have to get on with and deal with and, and figure it out. How is it dealing with like FDA regulations or other guidelines in, in all the countries? You mentioned you're, you're selling product worldwide. Um, do you have a team that focuses solely on that type of thing or what is that like? We do have a team that, 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 that focuses on compliance. Um, when we, so we had to make the decision. So a couple of years ago or a few years ago now at this stage, we, uh, from a tax efficiency perspective, we took a look at our company, how it was operating and where the advantages would be for us. Because 
we're a firm believer is that, you know, look, if we can invest everything we have back into the company, um, the quicker it can grow, the more services we can provide, the more people we can hire to the team to actually, you know, you know, match the purpose of what we're trying to achieve. So um, when it comes to compliance, uh, we don't really need to abide by most of what the FDA requires. Um, we register our products with the FDA just as a level of security, but we decided to create our principal manufacturing facility in Ireland because typically EU regulations are much more stringent than the rest of the world. So if we manufacture with those guidelines in mind, and it actually comes from Europe, we rarely would have any challenge getting a product uh, exported and imported into another country because the, the the you know the compliance is that stringent. We have it registered with the CPMP. We you know we've got our free sale certificates. Um, we have all of the certifications in line, like the GMP ISO nine thousand and one, and also the twenty two seven one six. So all of those certifications are locked in, and uh, it's the first thing all the big uh, manu or the big suppliers look for anyway. It's like, look, do, do you manufacture you know uh, according to GMP standards? And it's, yes, we do. Now most. Uh, if not all manufacturers that are worth their salt would have that as well. I would think it's the very least you should start with, but you'd be surprised. You know, the cosmetic industry is a really, uh, it can be a really dark place. I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I can only believe and it. And highly competitive, right? Like there just seems like an overwhelming amount of a wow. product in every department store I've walked in. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it seems very competitive. It's, highly, it seems it's very highly competitive. And going back to the brand you were talking about, Under Armour, it's about the trusted name. You know, it, like at the end of the day, if you've got three comparable products sitting right next to each other on a shelf, uh, taking the price point away, realistically, you're going to naturally lean towards the name you know best and trust the most. So that's the importance of like, in the, in the cosmetic game, much like, you know, most industries, you're, you're only as good as the last sale. You could sell someone 10 bottles and they're perfect and sell them one. But what happens after that one bottle is not good, uh, that dictates whether you're going to keep the customer or not. So they need to be able to get the support that they need. Sure. Yeah, I love the opportunity also for salons or for, you know, those type of places that you can create a new revenue stream, right? I, I get my haircut here at a place called Sheer Excellence. They literally private label everything. Now it's beautiful. You look on the shelf, everything you could possibly ever want as a, as a guy from beard creams and oils and everything, right? And, and when I get done every single time, they're like, would you like, Hey, we should do this. Would you like to look at the product I just put on your hand? I'm like, how much is that bad boy? Right. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Right. It doesn't matter as much, but like, I, I love the brand. They do a great job. My wife thinks my hair and my beard looks great every time I leave from there. So I keep going back. Right. And if they put some cool oil in my beard, I'm like, well, heck I'll buy it. But it has sheer excellence on it. Right. And if it had some other random name, Probably wouldn't spend the amount for what that is, right? But I never even thought about it. <laughs> and I'm in the private label world. Yeah. yeah. And you forget it as well. If you go like if you go into your your barber and you get your hair cut and you you buy a product, chances are you're not going to remember that name, but you are going to remember who's cutting your hair. You know what I mean? So like there is a connection there and that there's a psychology behind that. And that's why I think, you know, being able to pick up uh, you know, the small MOQ stuff is is hugely important because it gives brands and, and companies the opportunity to etch their own place in the market where, you know, others just simply can't. Yeah, I love it. Now, I got to ask you a question. We're sitting here. You're in Ireland. We're in, in, in the USA and, and you work and, and are, are the, the, the CEO of Professional Hair Labs, but you don't have hair. 
So what's up with that? So how how do I like? Did, <laughs> how did this go down? You know what I mean? Stressful job, man. <laughs> Initially, it, it was uh, it's it's a really a lifestyle choice. So when you so when you experience hair loss, like I shaved my head in COVID. You know, I wasn't bald, but you know, I I had thinning hair. Um, and I wasn't really hundred um, percent certain I wanted to go down the route of, you know, chemical based uh, topical creams and stuff to put on my scalp, you know, to, to stop the, the, the hair loss. Now uh, I shaved my head during COVID and, and never looked back, but for me, it's, it's a lifestyle choice. Um, I'm extremely busy. I'm always on the go. And uh, naturally for me, it made more sense just to keep things simple. I love to keep everything in my life simple. Uh, you know, I, from, from my schedule to, you know, my family time, um, it's, it's just all about making sure that we just get the result as simple as possible. And that's why I actually chose not to, uh, to wear a hair system, uh, simply because of that. Yeah. I, uh, I let it rip. Like, myself. like hair loss, you see hair loss, it, it, like you said earlier, that hair loss is, is a very intimate thing. It, 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 it really destroys some people's self-confidence and for others, they, they don't mind as much for me personally. Um, it doesn't overly bother me that, that, you know, I experienced some hair loss or that, that, you know, that I decided to shave my head. I'm not, I'm not too bothered by it. Um, at some point I will grow it back out, but for right now, it's just, I'm happy with where it's at. I, I can get my haircut done in five minutes and, uh, and I get on my way. That's funny. I always ask my uh, barber for a discount, but he's yet to give me one. <laughs> like, come dude, on, man, your job's getting takes easier. You have to time. You're man. getting easier every time I come in here. Every time I come in here, your life's Matter getting fact, easier. Matter of fact, his price keeps going up. Man. I'm like, dude, Scott went and got his haircut. Was back in like 20 minutes. It was fast. <laughs> yeah. um, real quick, real it, quick. It, it all comes down to a lifestyle choice and 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 what you want out of out of your daily life. You know, it's. Um, Look, I, I think uh, I look. I, I think hair loss can be a really detrimental thing, but you know, for some, it's it's just not as important. And for me, even though I operate in that industry, um, I empathize. Like I speak to people on a daily basis, literally uh, that 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 have hair loss issues and they're destroyed. Their self confidence is destroyed. And I think you know, being in a position where you understand what that process is like, it makes it very easy to have empathy for somebody. And I think that's where the connection between us and our customers come because we know what they're going through. And um, I think, you know, uh, being able to help them in some way, shape or form is, is where we get our mission and our purpose, uh, you know, kind of solidified and making sure that we're doing the best we can in, in the industry we operate in. I love it. If um, if we have people that are listening to this that would be interested in the in the company, whether they you know own a salon, whether they're looking to do their own private label, what's the best way to get in contact with you, learn more about this organization um, from that standpoint? So we're on all social media channels: uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You search Ghost Bomb Glue or Pro Hair Labs, your your professional hair labs, you'll find us. Uh, my main hangout is on LinkedIn. Um, I often get the odd uh, uh, message, you know, from 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 people who have questions either about products or you know just about the the process in general. So um, I'm quite responsive on there as long as the first message isn't a full pitch to me. Uh, it's uh, it, it look I'm 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 very open to to conversation. So that's where you'll find us and me. I love it. I do have to ask you before we let you go. What was it like to be a uh, a TEDx speaker? Um, it was it was very. Um, let me find the correct word for that. It, it was it. It was. I was very anxious. Uh, like that. that so, but I'll, I'll give you a story around it really quick. Um, so, throughout that whole process, when when you know I was chosen to do it, um, everything was fine. I had my, you know, I had my, uh, my speech written out and I had rehearsed it. Uh, my slides were built and everything was perfect. 
30 seconds before I went on that stage, I almost had a panic attack. And uh, I literally, I felt it coming on and I've never had one in my life. I, I heard all about people talking about having panic attacks, but I, I actually out of nowhere struggled to breathe. So what I did is I turned towards the brick wall that was beside the stage. And I just stared at one brick for 30 seconds and breathed in through my nose and out through my mouth, uh, you know, for a very short period of time. And it just regulated everything. And I went on and, and I did it. But um, it was an amazing experience from the fact of it's one of those things where the spotlight is solely on you and, uh, you know, your 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 inadequacies and your nuances are exposed. So you have to be, you know, very prepared. Uh, I learned from it. And, and also the fact that you just have to be yourself because every single person that was on the stage that night, I think there was five or six in total, including myself, um, they all had a story. And so, and from what I realized is that some of those stories were more engaging than others. Um, but at the end of the day, it was their experiences that, you know, kind of built the presentation that, that, that they put forward and they were all interesting in some way, shape or form. So um, would I do it again? Uh, absolutely. Uh, but uh, I would, I would do it a, a bit differently. It was, it was a huge learning curve. That's awesome, man. I appreciate your honesty there and you're very well-spoken. So uh, you know, to hear that you were anxious about it is, is surprising, but at the same time, uh, you're human too. And, and we all have, uh, you know, our anxiety about whatever it is, you know? So I appreciate you yeah. sharing that. No, no problem. And, and you know what the thing, the thing is like, I've done a lot of, of talks on, on, you know, different stages in, in, in our industry some about digital marketing, some about products, some about manufacturing. And that particular one was, um, that particular one was the most was the scariest one that I've ever done simply because I had to tell my own story and and how that applied to the lessons that I've learned that kind of helped me along my way. So um yeah, so look then that that that's really it. So I th- I think the more personal you get, the more vulnerable you get, the harder it is. Sure. A hundred percent. And and I am uh, I was looking at the the TEDx right now and I would tell everybody listening to go check it out. And I just want to read one thing from the kind of the the excerpt. And it says, imagine we were never afraid to lose it all. If everything we built could come crumbling down and it didn't affect us at all. And the reality is that fear and anxiety can have one or two effects. One, it can completely paralyze us, stop us in our tracks, spread like wildfire and prevent us from achieving our potential. Or two, it can motivate us to keep going when things get rough. And I think that's exactly what you did. And I love that. I can't wait to go listen or watch the TEDx uh, speech. But yeah, this has been fantastic. I really do appreciate you joining us. Like I always mention, like, share, comment. Please go connect with Ryan on uh, on LinkedIn. Follow the journey. Uh, if you're interested, reach out to him. Seems like an organization that can help you no matter where you are in the globe. Yeah, no, absolutely. And guys, listen, thanks so much for the opportunity. And uh, I always love free flowing conversations like this where, you know, you can take different directions and explore things. So thank you for that. Yeah, we never know where it's going to go, personally. That's that's what we like about it. it. We don't want it to be scripted. It's a conversation with real people doing real things. It's hard when it's scripted. I mean, it's nice to have an outline, but at the end of the day, you have to be open to where it takes you. That's That's exactly right. right. That's exactly right. Well, Well, man, you nailed it. Uh, Fascinating story. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely love it, man. Continue to to crush it. I love that that you and your brothers are in the business, and and I, I can only imagine that your your parents are so proud of of what you've been able to do. So keep that up, and your kids. I know you mentioned that you're a, you're a parent. I'm a parent as well. Yeah. Um, so that's incredible, man. Well, I will. Uh, I look forward to, to continuing to follow the journey, and um, you know, best of luck in the future. And until next time, you have been listening to this episode of the award winning Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. 
for branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com. <laughs>